0: Anybody excited to get into the Word of God today? Awesome. So listen, if you can open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, open your Bibles, open your notepad, uh, get your phone out. We're about to dig into the Word of God. I love God's Word for it is transforming and renewing. Um, At our church, we say that note takers are world changers and that leaders are readers. So I just want you to turn real quick so we can start this off and I can give instructions correctly. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them real quick you're a world changer turn to your second neighbor and say neighbor you're a world changer and then turn to your third choice and say I'm sorry you're my third choice (laughs) but you too are a world changer awesome let's get into God's Word Mark chapter 10 Uh, Verse 17, and I think this is something that uh, can open our hearts and open our minds as we begin to understand that everything that God has in store for us, has planned for us, can come to pass as long as we understand what his word says about us and who we are becoming. Uh, In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it starts with this story of a man who was called the rich young ruler. There is something to be rich. There is something to be young. But there's something also to have power And in his quest to understand more of what God had for him and what his future was to look like, the Bible lets us know that as Jesus was sitting out on his journey, starting at verse 17, it says, a man, this rich young ruler, ran up and knelt before him and asked him. And he said this to him. He identified Jesus. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. He goes and says, he he says, do not murder. Some of us could check that off. Some of us, God's forgiven. Others, we said, do not commit adultery. Do not steal, he he says. Do not bear false witness and do not defraud. And he says, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, looking in him, looking through him, looking into his heart. It says he loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. He said, go and sell all that you have. And he says, and give to the poor. That's real right there. Sell all you have, everything that's in your possession, and give it to the poor, some of y'all would be looking, Jesus, I can't do that. I got student loans, and my student loans won't allow me to give all my money away. I, I, I've been working real hard. These degrees that I've been capturing, I, I just want to let you know, I, I can't do it all, but what about some? And the Bible says, when Jesus acts, he says, and He's told them, you will have treasures in heaven. Can I tell you that sounds good? But anybody need a return on investment today? Anybody know about that? Jesus, if I give this away, what do I get back in return now? He said, and you should have treasure in heaven. He says, and come and follow me. And the Bible says disheartened. Not because he tried it out and it didn't work. Not because he went down the road to do it. It says he was disheartened by the saying Some of us, our words and what God is asking of us has gotten to us before we've even tried it. But he said, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I want to come from the topic today, if you want to write this down real quick. The topic today that we're going to talk about is God is good. God is good. If I said God is good, what would you say? And if I said all the time, you would say what? God is good. Let's talk about that. Lord Jesus, in your name, we pray today that the word would enter into our hearts, not just enter into our hearts and not that we would just hear it through our ears. But Father, today, that in this moment, we would not just be hearers of your word, but also doers. Transform our life into who you've called for us to be. For we love you, we honor, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. I wanna talk from this context God is good. Because what I, I, I tend to think is that in us recognizing what good is, good can be a very relative statement. I'm, I'm here from Baltimore, and Pastor Jeremy started off with the context that I'm a Ravens fan, and, and I would tell you they're good. And, and then you would say you're probably maybe a Redskins fan, and I would say, I'm sorry. And we would define the definitions of what's good, maybe a little bit different. You may call yours, us being a good team, as the spirit of our city. I would say it's according to the amount of games that you win. But good can be relative. Good finds itself at a place where, depending on where I am and depending where life is, I want to let you know, good looks good on where I am how I've been impacted in my life, where uh, life has hit me hard. And, and sometimes good is according uh, to the level of my desire of what I want to see. Good can be relative to the environment that I've grown up in. Good can be relative to the parents that I had and the background that I came out of. So good can be relative according to where I come from. Good is something that I give and ascribe when I like the condition and I am in agreement with the condition that the way that something is. But here's the problem. Good isn't always good the way that I think it's good because you say it's good doesn't mean I think it's good. And if I can be honest today, good is sometimes not as good as we think it is. Anybody know this, this summertime you've been... You've been traveling. you got a couple of invitations to go out to some some barbecues. Anybody know about that? Summertime is where the party starts. Don't call me. In the winter, I have no interest in hanging. I have no interest in coming out. I don't want to be out in the cold. I don't like bonfires. You can invite me to as many as you like, but I don't think fire needs to be outside to warm me up from the cold that I should not already be in. You don't have to invite me, you don't, you don't have to, I'm not anti, it's just when the winter hits, it's different for me. I don't like sitting in the cold trying to get warm when my Nest thermostat allows me to do that. I like to be inside, so so in so, so, the winter, it's different, but when the summertime comes, and I'm from Baltimore, and I want to let you know, we love sitting out eating some crabs. We love being a part of hanging, you know, groups are in, and we just love doing life together, and I love when people invite me over because they always give you a, a prerequisite to what you're coming to. You ever had somebody do that? They try to tell you, man, if you come over and I get to cook for you, I'm trying to tell you, this food is going to be good. You ever had somebody set you up? Anybody ever been there before? They're going to set you. They tell you, if you come over, man, I got some steaks that are to die for. I got some macaroni. Nobody makes macaroni like I do. I'm telling you, the way that I make my string beans is amazing. And they start giving you this, this cut-up of how everything's going to look, how, how great it is. And, 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 I, and I get excited. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll come over since you're laying out the spread. And I'll never forget going over a friend's house. And, and they invited me. And, and they laid out this spread. Now, first of all, I'm going to tell you, if I come to your house on time and the food's ready, I have a problem. Because first of all, I don't think the food should be prepared that early. I want to see the girl. I want to see somebody's arm inside staring like it's supposed to. I want to see you at work just to know, one, you didn't get it catered. And two, you actually cooked and put some work into what was supposed to be done. So I get there. Everything's laid out. You know how we do. We like the dishes. We put it all on the white. And it's just all laid out. And I walked in and I said, this looks good, but it looks too good looks too all put together and then when the cook because if you've been to a restaurant the cook is not supposed to be put together the cook should smell like smoke look like flowers on them have cheese all on you you should look like you cook at least fake me out y'all y'all know what i'm saying but this person's all clean. They're they in their fresh gear and they're talking about dinner's ready. And I, 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 got, I got y'all. I got weary. I got I got I got weary because they told me it was so good. I proceed to make my plate. I proceed to put it all together. Just as neatly as they put it together. I tried to clear my plate and put it together the same way. I'll never forget getting there. It was like, watch, when you taste it, you won't be able to, oh, man, you're going to come back for more. Can I tell you? I never went around again. (laughs) Because in the context of it, my perspective of good is not just the food being cooked, but the enhancement of the food. And the enhancement of the food, which was called with seasoning. At least some that I can taste. I don't like Mrs. Dash. Don't feed me fake seasoning to put on stuff. Pastor, you need to eat healthy. I may, but when I come to your house to eat, feed me something that I can taste. I will do my own damage to myself. I will make sure that I don't eat when I'm not supposed to eat, but that's not your responsibility. And so when I got into this place, we had different perspectives of good. Good was relative to the space that they came out of. Good may have been more about how it looked. Good may have been more about the way in which the presentation, but good for me, it could have been messed up. It could have been cut wrong, but good was all about the taste. Here's what I want to let you know today is that oftentimes good is relative to the space that we're in. Good is relative to the way that I think. Good is relative and to the family that I grew up in. Good is relative and to the way that I'm living out my life. And this man who is a rich young ruler who who finds himself in the place where he is so excited to see that Jesus is near, gives Jesus the greeting as good teacher. The Bible lets us know that as he proceeds to call him good teacher, Jesus responds back and says, there is only one good but the father. Now, if you leave out of here and we talk after and you call me good teacher, I'm not going to have any problems with it. My response probably won't be that God is the only one that's good. The father is good. I'm just going to tell you, thank you. And I hope to see you again. But as he put this here, what Jesus was calling out, what there was a conflict And what he considered Jesus to be. And oftentimes, while we walk in our faith of Christianity, we believe that what we're doing is good. That the way in which we're doing is making us good people. That the way that we operate in our faith makes us good. But the problem is, is that Christianity is actually a little bit dirty and not as good as you want it to always be. And the problem is, is we wrestle with tensions and we wrestle with areas where we don't all agree. And the thing that makes us good is God. And the problem in this text is that the rich young ruler wanted something from Jesus that he thought he could get out of religion that you can only get out of relationship The question today is, are you battling your ideas of what religion is versus relationship? Because what we're calling you to do today is not be transformed into a religious person. We're calling you today to be transformed through relationship with Jesus Christ because Christ can change the very nature of who you are today. Can somebody say amen? The context of where we're getting you to is that transformation is important. Now, do I believe that religion is important? No, because I believe through relationship, religion is automatically done. Your prayer life. Anybody know that Version Bible that you, that you keep y'all, y'all know about that? Listen, listen. I, I, I love that. But the problem is is that as a pastor, I missed today. And I don't know if you've been there, but once you miss a day, your streaks are gone. And it can be damaging, right? You ever felt judged by an app? I felt so judged. I missed one day. I forgot, and I came back. I didn't read that. But it didn't take into account the hours that I may have prayed that day. It just said, you didn't read me, so guess what? Your streak is over. It judged me right on spot. And then... I have people that are part of our church who like to be able to connect with me. And so they they try to be my friend. I decline them. I'm going to tell y'all, because I won't be judged by everybody, all right? (laughs) Pastor, can I be your friend? Nope, nope, you cannot. Nope, this cannot happen. And so in the context of it, I I find that there have been so many times That God was so gracious to me, even though I didn't meet all the markers. Anybody ever been there before? Anybody know about the grace of God that operates in your life even when you don't perfectly do all that you need to do when you need to do it and the way that you need to do it? God just tends to move in your life when you're imperfect and don't have it all together? Or do I have a group of people that got it all together? Anybody know about the mercies and the grace of our living God that he moves in your life when you don't deserve it? Well... But God is calling us to, it's not just a life where we're no longer in bondage, but he's calling us to a life where we're being transformed. Somebody say transformed. The Bible lets us know in Romans 12 and 2 that we're called not to be conformed by the pattern or the way of this world. But the Bible says that we're called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The mind that can be transformed, the heart that can be renewed in Christ. And what he's saying today is why I appreciate that you pray in the morning. Why I appreciate that your streaks are not interrupted. What I really want with you is relationship. Somebody say relationship. If I can get relationship, then I don't have to worry about you trying to keep something that you cannot keep of your own self. And here's what religion doesn't do. While it may keep you in task order, it does not change the very nature of who you are. The Bible lets us know that God is looking to change us and transform us and make us more like him. Guess what? When I'm changed and transformed, I can be what? Made easier and new in Christ Jesus, which says what? I can forgive easier. I can get over my issues easier. I can walk up and love people who don't agree and see things the way I do easier. But when I don't have transformation, union cannot be a part of the vision that I go after. A religious church cannot be a unified church because a religious church will find itself only grouping with the people that look like them, that act like them, and that agree with them. And if Catalyst is the church that God is changing, using to change Bethesda, to go into the nation and go into the world, I'm going to have to still love you even when we don't see eye to eye. But where I can get stuck is that I'm more interested in God being good for me than God being good all over. Because the truth of the matter is when life truly happens, can you really agree that God is still good? We know the saying, God is good, all the time, all the time. God is good. But sometimes at the end, we want to say, Sometimes God's good. When we understand what God is doing, we give God the attribute that He's good. When our prayers are answered and we've gone before Him, the Bible says, the throne of grace. To obtain help in the time of need when we put ourselves before god when we've given in church when we find ourselves serving weekly and we still go before god and it doesn't turn out the way we want the question is is god still good the reason why we've got to question ourselves is because we thought the act of working out what's inside of us was enough for God to define that nothing should happen in this world. But the problem is, it's John 16, he tells us in this world, you shall have trouble. But he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. So can God still be good when things seem bad? Can God still be good when the marriage is at a rocky point? Can God still be good when the tragedies of this world hit? Can God still be good when racism tensions are high? Can God still be good when we don't agree on Roe versus Wade? Can God still be good? And can we be a catalyst church when we don't all see eye to eye? See, that moves your faith From religion to relationship. Because when you're in religion, you'll do it based upon your desire and your will. When you do it in relationship, you do it based on knowing he is God. And besides him, there is none other. I'll never forget in Scripture when the Bible lets us know that Jesus said to his disciples, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they looked at him and said, you have lost your mind. The Bible says the disciples walked away from him. And Jesus asked the disciples, so what what do you say? What are you going to do? And Peter's response wasn't this endearing response of how much he loved Jesus. It was a response to the reality of what he knew about who God was. And his response was You, O Lord, have the words of eternal life. So where should we go? Sometimes we have to deal in relationship with the tension that while God is still on his throne, things are happening that we don't understand and that we cannot bring to a clarity, but we still say to God, even though I don't get this right here, where else am I going to go? For you, O Lord, have the words of eternal life and the context of where we're speaking from gives us an opportunity to understand that regardless of what's happening in the world, God is good, what? All the time. And all the time, God is what? But the problem is is that you have to actually live it out better than you can repeat it. Today I'm calling us to be a church of action where a part of our life can be comfortable. Anybody know about comfort? It just leaves you in a place where you just feel good about where I am. But the problem is, is Jesus was calling this man to an uncomfortable moment. One of the first points I want to give you in understanding that God is good is that even when God is good, the first thing you've got to understand is that Jesus is after whatever has your question today is, what has your heart? Just ask your neighbor real quick, what has your heart? He was like, I, I didn't think I was going to have to talk to you again. Uh, I saw that coming. Ugh. I thought he forgot about that. I told you in the beginning what we were going to do. The question is, what has your heart today? What is this thing that has got you so wrapped up? What is this thing that has you so locked in, that you're not willing to look at anything else and you're sticking by what you said? What has you that you turn your face at everybody? What has you so that you're in the place where you're dropping friends and no longer calling them to God? What has you so at a disagreement in this world with even God? What's possessing you? What has your heart? What keeps you so at grasp with the things of this world? Jesus wants whatever has your heart. In first Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel as he was looking to anoint the next king of Israel. He says, He says to Samuel, after Samuel has gone through all of the sons. <laughs> not him, not him, not him. Jesse, my goodness, how many, first of all, how many sons do you have? And after we done gone through all of them, is it possible that you have more? Samuel's like, it's got to be one of these because they look the part. God's good. You look good. You're like, I got to be the part. You might be single right now, and you look at yourself and it's like, how can anyone resist this? Obviously, they can. (laughs) But the question is, what, what what has your heart? What has you at a standstill in your relationship with God that you're trying to override with religion? What are you trying to get from God that you keep doing the commandments, but you can't release what is possessing your heart? And today, he's saying that. What, what's, what's wrong? He says this. God says to Samuel, don't judge by a man's face or height. I just want to let you know, it's not about all how you look, and it's not about how tall you are, because God in this scripture blatantly says he loves short people. The scripture Amen. said it. All you tall people, I'm sorry. <laughs> God's looking at a man. He's not looking at the face. He's not looking at the height. So but this is not the one. He says, I don't make decisions the way you do. Men judge by the outward appearance. He said, but I look at a man's thoughts and intentions. Somebody say thoughts and intentions some of you are blessed not because of how well you have managed and stewarded. Some of you are blessed because of how great God is that he saw your thoughts and your intentions even though your actions haven't even gotten there yet. God is so good that he saw your heart and said I'm still going to bless you even in the midst of where you are because I saw where you wanted to go and I saw who you wanted to be and I blessed you in spite of. Can you just take about two seconds and thank God for it in spite of praise. (laughs) God, I thank you for it in spite of blessing, in spite of where I was, in spite of what I did, you bless me anyhow. Jesus is after whatever has your heart. The question to ask God today, it says, Lord, what has my heart that I haven't given over to you? What am I clinging to? What am I so in desperate need of? That in this moment, I can't let it go. I feel insecure without it. I don't feel like a man. I don't feel like a woman. I don't feel validated. I don't feel like I should be. What is it that has your heart? Jesus says today, whatever has your heart, I want you to let it go so that I can take possession of your heart today. Point number two, so I want to let you know is that Jesus will never withhold truth. Some of us we 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 don't like truth. Anybody tries to tell us something, we know we get a little we get a little we get a little something. We get a little angry, we get a little irritated. We don't like people telling us too much. Y'all, y'all know who y'all are. Don't, don't don't be acting like it. Don't tell me now. That's me. That's what you said already, like you you yelled at me in your heart. <laughs> Bible lets me know. Anybody ever been there before? You're, you're reading your word, and you're looking for God to give you a word about ladies, your husband? God, I just, he needs you. You just got a word about him, you know? I was in my prayer time today, like, like that solidifies it, you know? I was in my prayer time, and God gave me a word for you. I'm the type of husband, i come back with it too. Hold on, give me two seconds. Lord, in the name of Jesus. All right, cool, real quick, God gave me a word for you There. I'm petty, I'm just a little bit petty like that. But we got, we got these places where God is always giving you a word for someone else. God is always giving you a word how somebody else needs to change. God is always giving you a word how someone else needs forgiveness. God is always giving you a word how someone else needs to love more. And God's like, the word wasn't for them. It was for you. I'm talking to you today. Too many times we know what everybody else needs except for ourselves. We need to be in prayer and say, Lord, search my heart, as David said. And if you find anything that's in me, take it out. Because the problem is, is that oftentimes I search my own heart and I clear myself. But God says, there's other stuff down in there that I need to uproot, that I need to bring out. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says this, the heart is hopelessly dark. Didn't that encourage you? It says in deceitful, it's a puzzle that no one can figure out. Right there, Jesus has validated all of our craziness. Why are you all over the place? Because half of the time, I'm trying to gauge my heart, and it's all over the place. I'm trying to tell people what I think. It's all over the place. I'm trying to give my views. It's all over the place. I'm trying to stick to one way, but it's all over the place. He just says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. He says, but I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human, and I get to the root. Somebody say the root. That's your prayer this week. God, get to the root. Not to the surface stuff. Get to the root. Get to the stuff that's deep inside of me. Get to the anger that's inside of me. Get to the areas that I don't tell anybody about. But get to it on the end. I need you to get to the root and uproot anything that is not like you. God, get to the root of the problem in me. Let's get to the root of things. He says, I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. I'm going to tell you today, sometimes we're pretending that we're nice, sometimes we're pretending that we're inclusive, sometimes we're pretending that we love, and sometimes we're pretending that we forgive. But I want to let you know today God is calling to get in the root so that everything that's happening on the inside of you can be an organic move of God, that the Holy Spirit can wipe out those things uh, that are not like him and make you brand new in Jesus today. You don't have to fake it, you don't have to make it up, you don't have to act like it, God can change you right where you are. Somebody say amen in this place. He says, I'll talk to you. I'll speak to you. I'm moving you right where you are. And I'll uproot it. Anybody know anything about roots? They said, regardless of you trying to keep cutting off the top, It'll keep coming back. The issues in your life, they keep coming back. The addictions, they keep coming back. The secrets, they keep coming back. The anger, they keep coming back. The unforgiveness, they keep coming back. The things that are slipping out your mouth, it keeps coming back because God hasn't gotten to the root of it. God, I need you to get the root. To get the root out of something, it's going to cost you. To uproot something, it's it's gonna require a sacrifice. Somebody say a sacrifice. It's gonna require you that in the promise that God is giving you, that in the process that comes after the promise, that He's gotta uproot some things in your life so that He can get you to the place where transformation takes place, so that when He gives you the promotion, that you can handle it and not go back to where you used to be. Some of us we're drowning in God's blessings. Because we're not walking through the process to uproot the mess that's still in our lives. You might be in a new relationship, but it looks like the old. Because all you did was just find a new face, but kept the same issues. Today God is trying to uproot. And point number three, somebody say number three. Y'all know what that means. Y'all got excited. Spirits lifted up, you sat up. Point number three, y'all know what that means. We're out of here. But point number three is this. Jesus knows whatever he has for you is greater than whatever he asks of you. Whatever you think you're giving up, whatever you think you're sacrificing, whoever you think you're letting go, whatever you think is the best thing that you've ever had, but it's keeping you from the genuine relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. I want to let you know today that whatever you're giving up, I want to let you know however it looks, how much you think you're sacrificing, whatever that it is, God has greater for you. Just tell your neighbor real quick, God has greater for you. Tell your second choice, God has greater for you. Tell your third choice, I'm sorry you're my third choice, but God has greater for you anybody believe that today God's got greater for me whatever I'm letting go of whatever I think I'm sacrificing whatever it is I think I'm giving up whoever it is I think I'm giving up I want to let you know today that God has greater in store for you the Bible says he has something that is exceeding abundantly above all that you could even ask or think according to the power that is at work within us today I just want to let you know catalyst church there is something that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love him so whatever it is that you're giving up you're not giving up all that you have you're just making room for God to do more I just want God to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that I don't even have room to receive some of us know how to organize junk And that's what we do in our lives. We organize the junk of our life to make it presentable enough that we don't need change. But God is calling today for you to empty out the messes in your life that he comes to transform. And he says, then, and then only, can I flood it with everything that you need. Today, I wanna let you know the truth has not come to hurt you, but the truth has come to set you free. And I believe today by the power of Jesus Christ, we're living lives that are set free in the name of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 through 31 says, this is my last scripture. It says, Jesus said, mark my words, no one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land. Somebody say whatever. It says because of me and the message will lose out. He says this, they'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land. You're wondering why we got two houses. You're wondering why I got multiple places. It's because I was willing to sacrifice it on the back end. And God has come to multiply and to bless in ways I've never seen it before. You don't understand why you're being blessed, but it has everything to do with the sacrifice that you laid down early and the decision to give your heart to God. And today you're reaping the rewards of God's blessing. Why are you clapping, all six of you? He says, I'll multiply also troubles. Pastor, yeah. can we skip that verse? Can you, can you just do dot, 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 you know, like how we do? We break that verse off? I can't do that today because I would give you false expectations to what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's going to require sacrificing your life that what may feel hurtful will truly bring transformation. He says, and then the bonus of eternal life. Everybody likes a bonus. Nobody rejects a bonus. I got a bonus for you. Oh, do, oh, do you? Oh. He says, I'm offering you eternal life. He says, this is once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last. And the last first. somebody should say amen on that part right there. Wherever you have felt left behind, God is saying today, I'm calling you to this point. I'm calling you to this moment. I'm calling you to this space that whatever you thought you got left behind, God says, I'll restore it today. I'll give you multiple in blessings. I'll surround you with people greater than what you could ever imagine or think. Today is the day where, God, I want to receive your blessings in this place anybody ready for a blessing today anybody ready for God to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or think anybody ready for God to use them today to do more I want to let you know online God hasn't forgotten about you I want to let you know he's here today saying I'm just waiting on you today I want to let you know that God is good It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the component. God is good. You got to say it today with me. God is good. When everything looks opposite, God is good. When life is not going the way I think, God is good. When my bank account doesn't look the way I want it, God is good. When I don't know the circumstances to come, God is good. When there's trouble in the world, God is good. No matter what happens, God is good.